You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome back to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hey! Hey! Uh, it is so good. It's so good to be back. It is good to see it you, brother, <laughs> as the old Bionicle movies. Oh, Mask of Light. What a classic. Would once have said. And that's what we're talking classic. about. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> You've already clicked it. You know we're not talking about that. <laughs> uh, so much has happened since yes. we recorded together oh last. Oh, my word. I mean, I've done nothing. <laughs> but you've had a child. <laughs> We've had a child. Morgan and I <sighs> had a baby. And actually, she would listen to this and probably remind me, not that I had the baby. She had she, the baby. Well, you know what? That's true. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> but yes, I'm a father officially now yeah. in real life. I have a real living child in the world. <laughs> She's precious. Yeah, She's wonderful. It's very and true. I love her. She's the best. Oh, gosh. But this podcast is not a time for me to. Yeah, well, it, could, it always could be. I mean, it could be. It could be. I won't Maybe stop that'll you. be another episode for another day. Okay. Just a day where we just sing the praises of Abigail, my daughter. <laughs> very vain of me. And we'll probably give her a complex later uh, in life. But like, Remember that one time you're on a podcast that was just about me, Dad? <laughs> no, no, no. We took that off. We, we took that down. <laughs> well, Ethan, what are we talking about today? What's Doing up? Doing an AMA. Another and Ask I'm, Me Anything. Whoa. I, oh, wait, I need to clarify. When I said that, it sounded like I was exasperated. That was like relief. Oh, yes. That was the sound of like, ah, I'm drinking Deer Park water, not Dasani water. <laughs> You know, it's 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 a, it was like yeah, what a refreshing. I love AMA, so that's. I just want to I want to set the record straight. But here's the question, and it's okay. a doozy. Oh my word! A question from one of our podcast listeners mm-hmm. is: Well, there's not two isses. I should pace myself. Is everyone a child of God? Who is a child of wrath? And who's an image bearer? It's a good one. That is. You just use the words "child of wrath," and I'm like, "Tell me more." <laughs> it's just a fascinating like title, and it it is. It's scary, I suppose, but it's just it arrests my attention. It it is definitely arresting. Yeah. Terminology. So it seems to me that the underlying thread connecting these ideas and questions yeah. together is the fundamental presupposition that first of all there is a God. And all human beings have some form of relationship with or to him. Some sort of connection. Yes. The question being, what is the nature of that connection and that relationship? So are we all his children? Well, what does that mean? Are we destined for judgment? What kind of judgment? What does it mean to bear the image of God? Who bears it? Does everyone bear it? All of those, I think, assume the reality of God. As you actually lay that out, I start to at least recognize my own presuppositions in this. So I'll be interested to see how wrong I am. (laughs) Or how right you are. Oh, doubt it. So let's deal with, I guess we'll say that first kind of question and see how it actually links up with a third one. So who is a child of God? God. Is everyone a child of God and who's an image bearer? Those kind of relate, I think. Right. So every once in a while, let's start here. Okay. You'll probably hear a very well-meaning person say something like, we're all God's children. (laughs) I know though, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, we're all God's children. (laughs) We're all children of God. This is literally lines like that are in Little House on the Prairie. Yes. And I grew up with an understanding that that's probably not quite right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's always like that has been like permanently embedded and it's something that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. And for the most part, I think when someone says something like that, and particularly if they're a Christian. Yeah. And refresh my memory, Little House of the Prairie. Mm Mm-hmm. Are they Christians? Is that like 
Uh, I guess so. I don't remember. I, I would I would say, yeah, it's the era where kind of everybody is. Okay. Is that kind it's of era. It's kind of de facto. Yeah. It's like in their world, there really is no other choice. Yeah. Their theology is literally just their absolute de facto way of life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if someone says something like that, and I'm thinking they're a Christian, I think if I'm giving them the benefit of that problem, <laughs> okay. what they're trying to communicate is that we're all created in the image of God. Going back to that third question. That's what they're yeah. trying to say without okay. actually articulating that fully. So what they're getting at there then is that every human being has inherent value yeah, and yeah, yeah. dignity. Okay. No human being has to earn that value or dignity. It's just built in, so to speak, at birth. No yeah. matter who you are or where you live, all human beings have value and dignity by nature of the fact that we're created in the image of God. And out of the whole creation order, that particular dignity and value that is assigned to human beings is unique because all of creation and all creatures have value because they're created by God. True. But human beings kind of top the pinnacle right, right, of right. what it means to reflect God's image and likeness. And that's a really, really deep topic to get into the depths of well, what does it mean to bear God's image and what does that look like? Because it's not just an aspect of humanity. As scholars like N.T. Wright have pointed out, it's oh, also yeah. a vocation. It's, right. Okay. So there's like a responsibility that's yeah, folded yeah. into that. But for the sake of this discussion with what it has to do with being a child of God, yeah. when most people say things like that, like all human beings are God's children, what I think they're trying to get at is that. particularly if they're Christian. We're all made in God's image. And that means that we, as fellow human beings, are called to recognize and protect that dignity in one another. Okay, in terms of a framework of scripture, how do we see that playing out? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, that's kind of a deep topic. A lot of material in the Bible speaks to this. So let's just cover two brief examples, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, okay? Okay, yeah. In Genesis 9-6, we read this. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Now, before we start getting too hot-blooded about capital punishment (laughs) and its place in modern society, let's recognize the underlying truth of that verse. God's intent with that command is to protect human beings, because they bear his image. There is something unique to humanity. There is such a value ascribed to human beings that the only recompense, if I could use that terminology, that comes close to repaying a human life that is stolen in cold-blooded murder is their own. Well, yeah, another human life. That is the only thing that comes close in value to it. Right. And even then, depending on how far you go down the discussion, even that is not it yeah, doesn't quite make it up. I didn't realize we were going to fall on that topic because I didn't do my research. <laughs> um, I used to feel very sure mm-hmm. about this. I used to feel that it was very cut and dry and I was very certain about how I felt. And time has only made me less certain. Mm-hmm. I love true crime. I spend hours of my week listening to stories like that. And it's never that cut and dry. Well, mm-hmm. okay, maybe sometimes it's a little yeah. more obvious, but it's so complex and messy and humans are. so Yeah. And that, I think, comes back to this whole idea that human beings, even, it sounds almost grating to our ears, but even the worst of the worst bear the image of God still. I I don't think there's any way you completely and utterly annihilate that from a human being. And so it gets complicated. And all that to say, from this one Old Testament example, we see how that plays out in that command, because God is saying, listen, human life is so valuable that in order to repay it, well, the only thing that comes close in value is another human life. Like, those are the only two things that are kind of on equal footing here. Exactly, yeah. So, that's in one Old Testament example. In the New Testament, we read in James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, these words, "'With our tongue we bless our Lord and Father,' 
And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So in other words, what James is getting at is how ludicrous is it that we would sing the praises of God on Sunday? A God who right now is invisible to us and we can't see. How ludicrous is it that we would do that one moment and then absolutely eviscerate another human being who is made in the image of that God that we're singing the praises of in the next moment, like on that following Monday? What makes us think that if we claim to love a God we don't see right now, what makes us think we love him if we don't speak rightly of and toward people who we can see right in front of us who bear his image? So all that to say, I think those are the kind of concepts that people are reaching for when they say that we all, all human beings are children of God. They're trying to get to those truths. That innate value. Yeah, that we're all made in the image of God. I think that's the more accurate articulation of what they're trying to say. Now, again, granted, to go back to your point about true crime, (laughs) we are marred image bearers because we also inherit a sin nature at birth and we often choose sin over living into that vocation of bearing God's image. To slightly paraphrase the author of 2 Kings, we despised God's statutes and his covenant that he made with our fathers and the warnings that he gave them. We went after false idols and became false. So our resemblance and likeness to God is not what it once was, say, in the Garden of Eden before the fall. Right. We have gone after false things and become false. The image of God inside of us is a little broken and fractured. Yeah. But even though it's marred and fractured, we still bear it. We still have it. So again, all that to say, in that sense of the terminology, I don't think it's entirely incorrect to say that we're all children of God. It's not entirely off base. Well, it's like, it's not off base if these 30 things are the qualifiers for... (laughs) Yes, yes. So actually, okay, the Apostle Paul actually said, basically, we're all children of God. He didn't say it in the way that most people, when they're saying that, and we're going to get to that in a minute, Right. he didn't say it in that way. But in his famous sermon at Mars Hill in Acts 17, here's what he said, Acts 17, starting verse 26. And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having to determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. Now, this is the key. He is referring to Greek pagan poets. Yeah. For we are indeed his offspring. That's the line of the poets there. Okay, But then here's what he takes from that. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. (laughs) So what you see there is Paul makes the link between being created by God and thus being his offspring offspring or his children. So that's not an entirely but it, unscriptural I, link. Right. I do think, especially in that context, it does feel very much like he's saying image of God. Exactly. And again, that being said, to kind of come back to what your caveats are, I would caution us yeah. to be very careful about using that terminology when we're speaking about all of humanity in general. <laughs> and the reason why is because when Paul was using that language, again, he's kind of, I think, getting back to the image of God there. Yeah. But he's also using that primarily as a way to establish common ground to share the message of Christ. Because he goes on to say in that sermon, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So he's trying to get eventually to the gospel with these folks. When I hear most folks using phrases like, we're all children of God. Yeah. 
I think what they're more or less getting at, in addition to I think they're trying to communicate, yeah, we all have inherent value and dignity. But I think also underneath that, they're kind of using it as a blanket term to say, yes. hey, you know, we're all God's children, so let's just all get along and be kind and love each other. And that's going to solve all of humanity's problems, which is a nice sentiment, right? That a, sounds great at a political rally, depending nice on where you are. Yeah. But to paraphrase the prophet Jeremiah, that is a way that we heal lightly the wound of the people saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, we can use that as a way to try to reassure ourselves and avoid talking about the reality that God will one day execute a final judgment and just to kind of say, everything's fine. We're all God's children. (laughs) Like, well, (laughs) ah, depends on what you mean by that. Right. So... Yeah, I think that kind of gets at the. That is definitely something when you said like a blanket, kind of an excuse. That is exactly what I thought of. That is, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm not going to ramble and belabor (laughs) a point. So, somewhere in this, there's this distinction between a general concept of all humans being God's children and then this very more specific sense, Mm -hmm. which, going back to the original question, some people are and some people are maybe not. Yeah, that does. That brings us back to the fundamental question that I think is under all this, which is what is the distinction between children of God in the specific sense and children of wrath? Oh, it's so metal. Yeah, <laughs> heavy metal. I want that like to be an Andrew W.K. song or something. <laughs> So where do we get that particular terminology and what does it mean? Well, let's take the Apostle Paul as our guide again. He often uses the language of adoption to describe those who have been specifically brought into the family of God, which is a different way of saying we're the children of God than the generic way that we were talking about earlier. I think the way that he says it most beautifully is found in Ephesians 1.5, where he says, in love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So those who are adopted to God are children of God in a very different sense than the rest of humanity. For those who are adopted through faith in Jesus Christ, we now relate to God, not just in general as our creator, but specifically as our personal father who loves us, and more than that, who loved us before the foundation of the world. Romans 8.15 says that if Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That is unique to the children of God who have been adopted specifically into his family. Tim Keller, I think, has a really unique way of saying and encapsulating this. He says something to the effect of, the only person who would ever dare to wake up a king at three in the morning for a cup of water is the child of the king. (laughs) And now we have that kind of access to God through adoption by faith in Christ. So children of God in that sense is very different than being generally children of God who are created in God's image, which of course means that if we through faith in Christ, have been adopted by God and are now members of the royal family, well, then that means, naturally, that there are other people who do not have faith in Christ and have not been adopted as the personal children of God, which is where we find ourselves talking about the children Children of of wrath, wrath, which is not a fun phrase necessarily, definitely not one that sets well on the ears of most modern Americans. But here's what Paul says again, taking him as our guide. In Ephesians 2, just after Ephesians 1, obviously, he says, and you, referring to the people who are now children of God, and you were dead 
in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest Mm. of mankind. This really kind of bridges the gap. Yeah. Or the stigma. Mm -hmm. It kind of stops you from looking out like, oh, these are the walking damned. Yes. (laughs) It kind of tempers that attitude, I guess. It does, because what Paul is saying there, of course, is that we are all, to begin with, children of wrath in the specific sense. All right? Like, we're all made in the image of God, but again, that image is marred. And in our natural state, we are not children of God in the specific sense of being adopted into his family and relating to him as a father. Rather, we are children of disobedience for children of wrath, or to go as far as Jesus said of the Pharisees in John 8, 44, we're children of the devil. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's fun terminology there. So obviously these two groups of people, we exist in distinction from one another, but back to your point, the children of God who have been adopted in the family have no grounds for- Superiority. Um, yeah, superiority or boasting. That's yeah. the terminology that okay. Paul really liked to use. He said, yeah. you have no ground for boasting <laughs> uh, because you did nothing of your own merit to be adopted into the family. Yeah. God paid the blood price of your adoption. He was the one who came down for us and set his love upon us and brought us into his family and made it possible for us to be adopted through faith. That was not because of anything we did or anything that we merited or deserved. In our own natural state and following our own course and following and indulging our own desires, we're all children of wrath. Yeah. So there's no ground for superiority here or for boasting or for holding it over people's heads and saying, yeah, well, we're so much better than you, buddy. (laughs) We are all naturally children of wrath. So the big question comes down to how do you go about becoming a child of God in the specific sense, which we've kind of hinted at here and there. Right. Because the underlying reality of this, again, to go back to John 8, actually, the words of Jesus, our will is to do our father's desires, which means that life and death hang in the balance of who our father is. Yeah. That becomes one of the key questions of life, if not the key question. So then you got to ask, naturally, is your father, in the words of Christ, the devil? Are you naturally following the prince of the power of air? Are you obedient to the great red dragon from the book of Revelation? Oh, man. Yeah. Are those the people that you're following? In your natural state, yes. In your natural state, they are, quote unquote, your father. It's a default. So you got to ask yourself that. Or... You got to ask, is God our father? Is he your personal father? Have we been adopted into his family? And here's how you do it. Through faith in his son, Christ. Because once you put your faith in Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection, then you're adopted. You become co-heirs with Jesus. You're set free from your bondage to sin and decay. And you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to obey the will of your new heavenly father. And that's really the distinction that exists there, I think. So, again, to come back to the original question as was stated, is everyone a child of God? Are we children of wrath? Who's an image bearer? Yeah. Everyone, every human being bears the image of God. Right. By nature of being created by God. Every human being has that. It's just our role to recognize and protect and affirm that value and dignity. Everyone on their own is a child of wrath. We're all destined for destruction if we continue to indulge our own desires, if we continue to obey the will of (laughs) our father, the devil, in our natural state. That's everyone. 
but through faith in Christ, through looking to Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection, then we truly become children of God in the sense that we're adopted into his family. We are welcomed into the throne room of God. We are changed and transformed and saved. In the fullest sense. In the fullest sense. Again, to quote the book of John, chapter 1, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the fundamental reality here. So, the big point at the end of all this discussion is, do you have faith in Christ? Which is, at the end of the day, always the question is, do you believe? Right. Is your trust in Jesus completely, and do you submit yourself to his will and his desires? And- Would you survive the traps at the end of Indiana Jones? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I always forget, and this is terrible because I feel like I'm not a really Indiana Jones fan. <laughs> Which one was it where they, they're going after Raiders of the Lost Ark? That has to be the Ark of the Covenant, right? That's when they go for the Ark of the Covenant yeah. and their Nazi faces that just melt right off their skulls. Yeah, that's... Oh, mm, wow. And he's like, don't look at it. That um, is... And they are tied up and they're like trying to not look at the opened Ark. Yeah. What a visceral picture of Children of Wrath right there. Yeah, but in fact, the tests are Last Crusade. Mm, okay. They're after the Grail. After the Grail. Yet another religious relic. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, hopefully that that answers the question, at least in some regards. And yeah. Lines the subject we managed to say Children of the Devil and the Great Red Dragon and all these, wow, buzzwords. I'm, <laughs> I'm satisfied. This is a fun episode. I mean, you know, when I, when I say fun. <laughs> yes. That's... I, Y'all get it. (laughs) Give us the benefit of the doubt, if you don't mind, please. please. (laughs) Oh, golly. Well, hey, Ethan, where where can our lovely folks, as always, send any questions or inquiries if they have those here? I'm pretty sure it's hurrah. No, 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 no. It's (laughs) podcast at horizonschurch.net. There we go. Yep. And you can also interact with us on social media and... All that fun stuff. Yes. So, as always, thank you for listening and uh, submitting your questions, and we look forward to being with you again next time. Mm-hmm.